It is Thursday, December 12th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 15 Preview Edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and it is fantasy playoff time, Jared. So let's jump in with Chicago at Green Bay. What do you say? Uh, not the most fun game to jump in with, but yeah, we'll do it anyways. I think Mitchell Trubisky, the biggest question on the Bears side, do you trust him? He, Trubisky's quarterback one over the last three weeks now. He's finished uh, ninth, sixth, and then third among quarterbacks in fantasy points those three weeks. Those games though, have come against teams ranked 25th, 29th, and 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Now he's on the road against the Packers, who are still fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be trusting Trubisky at this point of the season, although he's you know playing better right now. I would not want to be as well. Over the past five weeks, though, he is QB5 in fantasy. Aaron Rodgers is QB25 <laughs> over the same span. Yeah. Trubisky has five more touchdown passes in that span, seven more total touchdowns. And the Packers are down to 20th in overall defense on Football Outsiders, 17th against the pass, 26th against the run. So if I had to choose between <laughs> them – I mean, I think I might have to cover the names and go with Trubisky here. Yeah, I don't think I could. I, I don't want to use Rodgers this week either, though. He, he's finished outside the top 20 quarterbacks in four of his last five games. In the fifth game, he finished number one. So he you know has that upside, but I don't think we're going to see it in this spot against the Bears. It just projects as a lower scoring game. If this game was in Chicago, I might lean Trubisky, but at home, I think I'd go Rodgers between the two. But again, you know, they're, they're both outside the top 12 in our quarterback rankings this week. Yeah, I think that's the key is neither looks good. I would not want to play either one. And frankly, if I had to choose between them, I think it's a coin flip because one is Mitchell Trubisky and one is Aaron Rodgers. And we just saw what happened with we, – we saw what happened with Drew Brees last week, and that's kind of the yeah, gauge yeah. for all this now. I do think that Aaron Rodgers is not Drew Brees at this point. He's coming off his worst two PFF passing grades of the season within the past three games. One of those two was last week against Washington. His next lowest grade this season was back in week one at Chicago. He's had four games of one touchdown or fewer among the past five. And as you mentioned, the week where he did finish number one was four touchdown passes at the Giants. Yeah, and Brees obviously benefited from that game turning into a shootout, and I didn't expect that, but I also, you know, it wasn't shocking to see it. If Packers-Bears turned into a shootout, I would be pretty shocked. Um, Rodgers has just four total passing touchdowns in his last three meetings with the Bears. Yeah, so good luck to you if you do have to choose between those guys. It's going to be tough to make the right decision here. Try not to use either one. Neither yeah. is inside our top 12. David Montgomery, the question with him, as always, is does he get the touches? But he has been more often lately. Mm -hmm. 20 carries in the win over Dallas last Thursday. He's seen 14-plus carries in every game since week eight. That was when he had the big outing against the Chargers. In that span, 10th in the league in carries per game, 12th in the league in opportunities per game. That's carries plus targets. Nearly 20 per game of those. So David Montgomery looks like a pretty good bet for touches against a defense that's been favorable to running backs. Yeah, Packers have been favorable to running backs all season, um, allowing 4.9 yards per carry to running backs over the last four games now, so so nothing's changed. I, I think Montgomery is a pretty high floor play. Mm -hmm. oh, well, well, I don't know how high his floor I mean, is. I mean, you, you said it. He had, he had the one game where they didn't give him the ball, and since then, yeah. you know, he's, he's been getting it. Yeah, what I said was he should <laughs> be a good bet for touches. Unfortunately, his floor, uh, Matt Nagy has shown his floor goes way low, but I agree, should be a good play this week. 
Otherwise, on the Chicago side, Anthony Miller to me looks like a low wide receiver four. Yeah. Taylor Gabriel looks like a low wide receiver five. We'll have to watch his concussion. Yeah, I mean, if Gabriel's back, that'd make me a bit more gun shy about using Anthony Miller. Um, not a tough, not a great matchup for him, anyways. The Packers have allowed the tenth fewest fantasy points to slot receivers. I do think he's a decent play if Gabriel's out. I, I'd try to avoid Miller and Gabriel if Gabriel plays. And I, I, I agree with the wording there. I still don't think Anthony Miller would be better than decent. Packers are right. still the seventh worst scoring matchup for wide receivers by adjusted fantasy points allowed. Right. Uh, on the Green Bay side, besides mm-hmm. Rodgers, last week maybe finally put to bed whether we need to – like whether we have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams close to each other. Yeah. For a while we kind of had to because that's how the touches were. Last week it, it finally went a little bit more Aaron Jones's way and he dominated Washington. I mean it should have mm-hmm. gone even more his way. So it, we can't call it safe after one week, but – we should at least head into this weekend expecting plenty of Aaron Jones touches. Yeah, I mean, last week was a reminder why you can't bench Aaron Jones because you know he, he he's awesome, and when he gets the ball, he puts up big numbers. Um, he, you know, Jones did see seventy four percent of the running back opportunities last week. The snaps, though, it, it was still fifty eight percent for Jones to forty two for Jamal Williams. So, you know, I, I don't think Williams has gone away. I think Jones got hot in that mm-hmm. game, and they sort of stuck with him. Again, you can't bench Jones because the upside. I do still think Williams is in play as a running back three or a flex. We have at least seen Aaron Jones's targets climb the past two weeks after Matt LaFleur said, I think I yeah. got to get him the ball more. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, I think you have to look way down the rankings to get to any Packer besides yeah. Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, I have in my notes, no pass catchers beyond Devontae Adams. Allison and Lazard are sort of splitting the number two and number three role. And again, not a spot where we expect a big passing game from Rodgers. And I don't know what it feels like to be an owner of the Bears defense because I didn't draft them (laughs) anywhere this year. I don't know if you still look at them like a defense that you need to play. They're a bad play this week, but they've also been a bad play for a while. The Bears D has not scored double-digit fantasy points since week four by ESPN scoring. They have topped six fantasy points one time in that span. Over the first four games of the season, the Bears had 17 sacks. In the nine games since, they have 13 total sacks. Yeah, I mean, I like the Packers better as a play just in this game, and I think there are plenty of other spot start options that I like better than Chicago this week at defense. I agree. So ignore the name of the team that hasn't been a good fantasy defense. They do get Akeem Hicks back this week. I don't think that's the only difference, though, between early season and this week. No, I mean, that's a good point. It does toughen up the matchup for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams on the ground, though. Mm Mm-hmm. New England at Cincinnati next on the list. Patriots are 10-point favorites on the road. The Bengals are implied for the second fewest points behind only the Jets who are at the Ravens tonight. So Tom Brady should be a fantasy lock against the Bengals, you would think, right? No, I I guess. (laughs) You would think, though. Yeah, I mean, so Brady, like Rodgers, he's been outside the top 20 fantasy quarterbacks in four of his last five games. Now, the only time he cracked the top 20 was the Texans game, and it was, you know, mostly garbage time. he, He does have decent touchdown upside here because you know the the pats are implied for 25 plus points i do think this should be a bounce back game for the offense but i also think it should be a run heavy game um you know this patriots passing game is just struggling brady is dealing with the elbow injury he doesn't trust anyone beyond julian edelman so um yeah i don't think you're gonna you're gonna get big volume from here there's a chance he throws two or three touchdowns just because i do expect the pats to be able to move the ball yeah i mean i agree the only time in recent memory now that tom brady had a good fantasy outing he stunk for most of the game against houston they ended up with less than 55 percent completions even yeah. in that game still quarterback 12 appropriately in total <laughs> fantasy points for the season but 
as you mentioned, the past five games included four with one TD or fewer. He's still 10th in pro football focus passing grade for the season, right behind Aaron Rodgers, who's ninth. So the guys aren't terrible quarterbacks at this point. But if you look at Brady's weekly numbers, there's a pretty clear downward trend in his PFF grading. So it's not just the fantasy numbers that have headed downward. And even the matchup, Bengals opponents have only thrown 16 touchdown passes through 13 games. I'm not saying it's a good defense. It's not. But it's also not a lock that anybody on offense is going to score points against. Well, yeah, teams don't throw against the Bengals. They face the second fewest pass attempts because their run D is so bad and they're usually trailing. And, again, I think the Pats – should run the ball successfully here. Maybe not with Sonny Michelle. I guess we can talk about him, but I just don't think Brady's going to have to do a lot in this game. Yeah. Now, does that mean he definitely won't? Of course not. If you're looking, he's nowhere near our top 12. If you're looking in like the QB 16 to 22 range, yeah. it, at that point, I think it's kind of up to you to decide who you feel more yeah. comfortable with. Because I certainly can't say, no, Tom Brady's definitely finishing 24th and like Gardner Minshew is definitely yeah. going to outscore. Yeah, he, he should honestly probably be a bit higher in our rankings. It's a tough week. You know, once you get beyond the top like 11 quarterbacks, maybe the next like 10 are all sort of bunched together. And I, I do think Brady has as much touchdown upside as anyone in that group. Yeah, I think that I would make arguments for guys where they're placed down to like 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think you're probably best off just choosing who you're more comfortable with. Yep. Sony Michelle was supposed to have a Sony Michelle game against the Chiefs last week. He carried five times and a seven-point loss. What do we do with him now? Uh, I mean, he got off to a bad start in that game. Then the game script got away from New England. They were playing catch-up. So, I mean, I, Michelle feels safer in this spot. You know, I don't expect the Pats to fall behind. And last week was just Michelle's third game of the season with single-digit carries. He has 15-plus carries in eight of his 13 games. You know, again, the Bengals 28th in football outsiders run defense rankings, allowing four and a half yards per carry. The Bengals have faced the fourth most running back carries, you know, teams run against them. So I get it. I mean, if you used Michelle last week, you might not even be playing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you survived, I, I I do think he's a decent option, even though it obviously doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, he's basically Carlos Hyde in a more crowded yeah. situation. The floor for carries is lower. The ceiling, I think, for touchdown opportunities here is high. So as you said, unless you have good options, I think you yeah, go ahead and go back to Sonny Michelle. Yeah, I, I would start James White over Michelle across formats, though. Michelle, even in non-PPR, that pass-catching role helps. You know, you get the yards, you get the touchdowns. Michelle, uh, White also has 20 carries over the last two weeks, and those were both negative game scripts for the Pats, which maybe explains it, or maybe the Pats are just going to give him the ball more because Michelle is not performing too well right now. Right. Maybe James White's just the most trustworthy running back overall. He's not going to be a 20 carry guy, but he can, he'll be a 12 to 13 touch guy. Right. Both James White and Rex Burkhead played more than Sony Michelle last week. I would not bet on Rex Burkhead doing that again. And he only played 27% saw seven Mm -hmm. carries, one target. So I think he's still a non-factor. Yeah, non-factor in fantasy lineups. As we've talked about before, though, that Burkhead has cut into both Michelle and James White's workload a bit. I mean, he, he's just sort of an annoyance out there. Yeah, definitely chips away at the floor for both players. No wide receivers for me here beyond Julian Edelman. Mohamed Sanu has only cracked 60% playing time once in five games with the Patriots. He's only eclipsed five targets once. I think it's definitely fair at this point to call it a bad trade for New England. Yeah, seems that way. I, I think the ankle injury... Sanu suffered is still an issue because he had that one big game before the ankle injury but regardless he's not an option it's actually been Jacoby Myers as the number two wide receiver in routes run over the past couple weeks now and on the Bengals side (laughs) no thanks beyond Joe Mixon Tyler Boyd for me I was gonna say Mixon and Boyd are like barely hanging on in starter territory they're both good volume bets and that that keeps them in play but 
You're obviously not expecting a ceiling game here. Mm-hmm. Houston at Tennessee, the Titans by three at home. The highest over-under of the week at 50 points, and that's up one and a half from the open. So Vegas put out the numbers, and people were like, no, they're going to score more points than us. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have a prior meeting between these two teams this season to go on for anything here. They're playing, for some reason, their two games in weeks 15 <laughs> and 17, which bothers me every time it comes up on a team's schedule. I don't think it makes any sense. It doesn't make sense, but it is sort of fun since they're basically vying for the division crown now. I guess. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins are obvious. Oh, by the way, the Texans did top 430 yards in each meeting with Tennessee last year. Mm -hmm. The Titans are probably a little bit better on defense, but they're definitely not way better on defense. So as I was getting into, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins are obvious. Will Fuller limited Wednesday. He was limited all last week, though. We'll see about him for this week. Yeah, and he's obviously a tough call if he plays. Like, the matchup's fine. He can beat the Titans in the air, but... Fuller with a hamstring, obviously, you know, comes with a zero-point floor. Just know that if you're using him. Mm-hmm. Kenny Stills, in the four most recent games that Will Fuller missed, weeks 8, 9, 11, and 14, Kenny Stills' targets have gone 5, 4, 7, and 2. And the 7 were in a lopsided loss to Baltimore. Last week, of course, they ended up in a lopsided yeah. loss, and he only saw two targets. So, I mean... Yeah. There's upside to the matchup, but Kenny Stills is a weak option. Yeah, I mean, he, he's on the field. He played you know, over 90% of the snaps last week. You know, we don't get points for snaps, so I, I would I would definitely try not to use Stills this week. If you do get points for snaps, go ahead and play Kenny <laughs> sure, Stills this definitely, week. Yep. Kiki Cutie returned from <laughs> exile for eight targets against the Broncos. I think he benefited greatly from 50 pass attempts and a lopsided loss. I would not bet on a lopsided one here, although, yeah. you know, it's Ryan Tannehill time. That's true, um, but I, I think it's too late in the season to be trusting you know, Kiki coming off just, yes. just one game where he actually got the ball. I agree. I also think it's too late in the season to bet on Jordan Aiken seeing another nine targets. <laughs> I mean, that was nearly double his high from any other game, well beyond what he usually gets. I, I actually didn't even see he saw nine targets last week. That's, yeah. that's how I feel about Aikens right now. There you go. Darren Fells played the second smallest snap share of the season last week. Saw okay targets, but he's seen 15 total targets in the past five games. No more than two catches or 24 yards in any of those. So he's not a really good option yet. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't score, he's going to hurt you. I think there there are better spots start options this week at tight end. Carlos Hyde, risky and TD dependent still. And t- the Titans are still fifth in football outsiders yeah. run D efficiency. So it's really not a great spot for Carlos Hyde. I don't think. Right. I mean, on the road, underdogs, you know, maybe the Texans are playing with a lead here, but we definitely can't count on it. And Tennessee's allowed 4.0 yards per carry to running backs on the season, 3.8 over the last four games, so a tough matchup for Hyde. Duke Johnson, meanwhile, has been playing more snaps anyway. Four straight games of 50-plus percent playing time, five and six catches in the past two, Mm -hmm. and only Houston has allowed more running back receptions than Tennessee has on the season, so I think it's a good spot for Duke Johnson. It is. Um, I don't love him. I'd probably right. rather take a shot on Duke over Carlos Hyde. Duke's actually matched or topped Hyde in snaps in four straight games now, so it does seem like his role is expanding a bit. Still not big enough for me to, to like him, mm-hmm. but um, you know, if you're down there and running back three range, I do prefer him over Hyde. Yes, I agree with that. On the Titans side, Ryan Tannehill is an obvious starter at yeah. this point. It's it's past time to just cover up the name and play him on his numbers. Yep, he's third among quarterbacks in fantasy points since taking over as the starter in Week 7, and he gets the Texans this week. They're 27th um, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks just to give up that big game to Drew Locke at home. So there's really no reason you shouldn't be 
starting Ryan Tannehill unless you have like Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott. And even then, you can't be like, oh, I'll comfortably (laughs) start Lamar Jackson over Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry's obvious. A.J. Brown is boom bust still, but nearly impossible to not play him at this point, given the booms that he has had recently and the matchup with Houston. Right. I mean, he's finished as a top 10 fantasy wideout in two of the last three weeks now. So tough to sit that. You know, he's still averaging just 5.4 targets per game with Ryan Tannehill. That's, you know, that's too low to feel safe that he's like a lock. But, um, you know, if you're using him as like a wide receiver three, I think there's not many guys with more upside. Yeah. Show me a, show me a lock at wide receiver beyond like 11. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Johnu Smith, only if you need him. He did have a touchdown last week, but still just four targets, just three catches, 29 yards. And there was still a target apiece for Michael Pruitt and Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, um, the, the Texans have struggled against tight ends lately. They gave up 75 yards and a score to Mark Andrews, um, 72 yards to Colts tight ends, and then that big game to Noah Fant last week. Those are their last three games. So it's another good matchup for Smith, but he, he's not seeing enough volume to be someone we can really count on. Right. The Titans defense, I think, is boom bust here. So I think it's worth mentioning because there is certainly upside to this matchup against Houston. Yeah, some upside, but I'm sort of with Vegas. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I agree. Denver at Kansas City. The Chiefs are 10-point home favorites. That's actually down to from where it opened. Uh, It's one of five games this week, by the way, with an over-under of 46.5 points. Yeah, should be a high-scoring week. (laughs) Nice start for Drew Locke over the past two weeks, but... I mean, Houston, the big game in Houston, yeah. the, the, that says more about the Texans to me than it does about Drew Locke. They've been a terrible pass defense all year. Yeah, Locke was up to 12th among quarterbacks in pro football focuses passing grades last week. So he, he did play well in Kansas City against a, a sneaky good Chiefs pass defense. I don't think Locke is an option outside of two quarterback leagues. Yeah, Chiefs are sixth best in pass defense, DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. I think Philip Lindsay is a fairly easy play in running back two ranges. Yeah. A chance that the game gets out of hand and away from him. But, you know, as we've said before, I don't think Denver's throwing 50 passes in this game, no matter how far behind they fall. Yeah, I mean, game script is the risk with Lindsay because the Broncos are using Royce Freeman more in the passing game. Um, Lindsay has just two and a half targets per game over the last four. And Royce Freeman has run more routes than Philip Lindsay in three straight games now. So we like Lindsay in this spot last time against the Chiefs because the Chiefs are so bad against the run. But, you know, they, they shut down Lindsay in that game just 36 yards. Um, so, so that's the downside if Denver mm-hmm. does fall behind early. Um, it seems like Royce Freeman is more likely to be on the field. Yeah, and that's why you'll find Lindsay in the 20s as opposed yeah. to like 11 in our rankings this yep. week. Royce Freeman did have the receiving touchdown last week, but Philip Lindsay lost one to an illegal block. The play was called yeah. back. So he could have had two touchdowns in that game for what it's worth. Cortland Sutton has to stay in there for volume, basically, unless you're loaded at wide receiver. Uh, not a great matchup, but also not a scary matchup in terms of who he matches up with individually. In yeah, it's, it, it's not when you look at the Chiefs' cornerback depth chart, but Casey, they're third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They're also top three against both outside wide receiver spots. They're actually more vulnerable to slots, but Sutton's played about 80% of his snaps on the outside. So it, it is a pretty tough matchup for him. Um, you know, he's good enough. I think you showed mm-hmm. this season. And again, Drew Locke is playing good enough that I think you can stick with Sutton as like a lower end wide receiver too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah Fant still on the fringe. He, he had about as efficient a game as he possibly could last week. Yeah. He had four targets. They went for catches of 48, 28, 23, and a 14 yard TD. They still had three other targets go to other Denver tight ends in that game. 
Yeah, 13% target share for Fant in that game, so not great. But, I mean, a tight end that can do that on limited value, I mean, there's not many guys like that. Now, Fant mm-hmm. left that game with a foot injury and then did not practice on Wednesday. So, he you know, he's, he looks iffy for this game. So, keep an eye on that. I think he's like a boom-bust tight end if he does play. Mm-hmm. And I do like the Chiefs' defense against this yeah. team that scored a bunch of points in Houston last week. Yeah. They, they already <laughs> held the Flacco Broncos to six points and 205 total yards at Denver in Week 7. Yeah, I played the Texans defense in DFS last week, and that didn't work out well. Mm-hmm. I do think that, you know, the Chiefs D is better than Houston's right mm-hmm. now, and, um, you know, the Chiefs D always plays better at home. Patrick Mahomes, 283 yards passing at New England last week. It's the first quarterback since week one to crack 235 yards against the Patriots. I would not be shocked if Patrick Mahomes finishes this week low in starter territory, yeah. but Denver's also not a shutdown pass defense. It's a pretty good pass defense. It sits 12th in football outsiders ratings right now. Yeah, and Denver has allowed the second most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks over the last five weeks now. Every quarterback to face them has finished among the top 16. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins finished eighth, Deshaun Watson fourth last week. So, it, you know, Denver's past D has struggled lately. That that makes me feel better about using Mahomes right now. Yeah, so when I do my rank, my personal rankings for the week, I'll probably stick Ryan Tannehill ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. But if I were making the lineup decision, <laughs> I, I would have visions of playing yeah. like Sam Darnold over Drew Brees last week. I think this <laughs> this might be the best comparison is, is Patrick yeah. Mahomes versus somebody else this week. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if I could do it, but I also wouldn't blame anyone for playing Tannehill over Mahomes this yeah. week. Just make sure that it's a personal choice. <laughs> yeah. Don't text your buddy who is a fantasy analyst <laughs> and ask which quarterback to start. I, I, we've all made the mistakes of asking somebody else who to start and getting the wrong guy and then being angry that we didn't go with the one that we liked. Yep. All right, so beyond the obvious guys in Kansas City, LaShawn McCoy, merely okay as an option, I think. He has not topped 12 carries all year. In the past four games, all Chiefs victories, he has seen three, seven, five, and 11 carries. Right, and, and Andy Reid's told us that he's you know limiting McCoy's touches. McCoy hasn't topped 14 touches in a game all season, and so you, if you're starting him, you just gotta expect like 10 to 12 touches, and you know hope he scores, I guess, in this offense. But um, Damian Williams did return to practice on Wednesday, so it looks like he does have a shot to return for this week. If, if he does, I would expect him to step back in as the lead guy and, and be the best fantasy option in the backfield. And you know, if this game does go lopsided in, in favor of the Chiefs, then rather than that setting the stage for a bunch more LaShawn McCoy carries, I think you start getting like Darwin Thompson sure. in there so that they can rest LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, and make sure that the whole backfield is as healthy as possible for the postseason. No, yeah, I completely agree. Again, I, I, you know, you're not going to get a big volume game out of McCoy at any point this season and definitely not this week. Miami at the Giants. Giants are three and a half point home favorites. Vegas says, I don't care who's playing quarterback this week. They're going to beat the Dolphins anyway. To me, Ryan Fitzpatrick looks the same as last week. There's, It's an excellent spot for upside, but there's risk in his limited receiving group. And right. that includes now having to watch Devontae Parker's status with his concussion. Right. I, I'll push for Fitz up our rankings a bit if Parker is ready for this game. And Parker did put in a limited practice on Wednesday. So I think he does mm-hmm. have a shot to play. Um, Albert Wilson was also concussed in that um, loss last week. So he's iffy for this one. Yeah. So that that's the downside with Fitz. But you know, he, he can still run it as he showed us last <laughs> week. And he showed us, I think he has over 50 rushing yards in two of his last three games. Um, and the you know Giants are 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So again, if Fitz gets Parker back for this game, I do think he's in the spot start mix. I agree, and I would probably move him up the rankings too if Devontae Parker's back. Alan Hearns also didn't practice Wednesday. Yeah. He's got ankle and knee issues. If he sits, then it gets easier to 
decide between Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford. That said, <laughs> Isaiah Ford had seven career targets yeah. before last week. He was a seventh round pick last year. So we're talking about all of 2018 and this year up to this point. Seven career targets before last week, nine targets last week, six catches for 92 yards at the Jets. So is he an option? Sure, especially if both Parker and Alan Hearns are out for this game. But if you play him, you have gotten to know that there's also the chance that Isaiah Ford does absolutely nothing and Miami disappoints. Yeah, I can't imagine using Isaiah Ford this week. Like, I mean, if you're looking on the waiver wire, I'd much rather use the Bucks guys, Rashad Perriman, Justin Watson. I'd rather use Marcus Johnson of the Colts, assuming T.Y. Hilton's out again. So um, I think the decision point in Miami's pass-catching core is probably Mike Gesicki for people. He obviously disappointed last week. Um, still saw five targets in that game, though he's seen five-plus targets in six straight games. And the Giants are 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So he let us down last week, but I still think Kosicki is a tight end one for, for week 15. Yeah, that's the thing. The way tight end is right now, you got to look at the targets and not just catches. He, yeah. he had one catch last week, but the five targets tied for 14th on the week among tight ends. So I think he was still the right choice, even if it didn't work out, you know, unless you chose him over like Tyler Higby. In that <laughs> case, probably should have gone with Higby. Yeah. But I think that Mike Jasicki is a fairly easy play at the level where you're considering him. The Giants have fared pretty well against tight ends this year. They have faced the Packers and Eagles since losing Jabril Peppers, though. Mercedes Lewis caught a touchdown pass in the Green Bay game. And last week, 17 catches, 169 yards, two touchdowns to Philly tight ends. Granted, Philly lost all of its receivers for that game, but they still did produce with their tight ends. Yeah, and Gesicki obviously benefits if any or all those Dolphins wide receivers miss this game. Right. Miami's receiving core is basically in the same situation that Phillies was last week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And all of the injuries, of course, I think make it a little bit easier to like Patrick Laird. Oh, yeah. In PPR especially, 15 Mm -hmm. carries last week, five targets, four catches for the second straight game. He's seen five five plus targets and caught four plus passes in three of his past four games. Yeah, Laird played 82% of the Dolphins' snaps last week, ran around on 63% of Fitzpatrick's dropbacks, 20 opportunities. That's like borderline RB1 usage. Um, And the Dolphins' running game has stunk all season. Um, The Giants are decent against the run, so I don't expect big rushing production from Laird. But if you're going to get, you know, 12 to 15 carries, that's fine. And then, yeah, the pass-catching role. Um, And the Giants have allowed the 11th most catches to running backs this season. I'm sick of hearing about him on fantasy Twitter, (laughs) but I have to remember that not everybody lives on Twitter during football season (laughs) and realize that Patrick Laird is an option this week. On the Giants side, Daniel Jones returned to a limited practice Wednesday. Based on that, I would guess that he's on track to return, but we'll have to watch him this week to see. Yeah, I did see that Eli still got all the first team reps and it would makes sense to me to not rush Daniel Jones back, you know, your prized first round rookie in the season that is lost. So we'll see. Um, I, I do think Jones and Eli, even Eli is, you know, a, a decent option this week because it's the Dolphins matchup. You know, they've still allowed multiple passing touchdowns in all but two games this season. Eli, I wouldn't say he played well on Monday night, but he did, you know, throw the two touchdowns. Um, his wide receiver core is healthy. Maybe he gets Evan Ingram back for this game. So, you know, it, it's a good it's a good group of weapons around him. He played better than I thought he was going to, especially sure. considering that it was raining in Philly. So, yeah, I, I think they're both in consideration whoever plays in that game. I, I wouldn't I would like I would not like to have to choose between Tom Brady and Eli Manning <laughs> this week. Me either. <laughs> if I have Darius Slayton, though, I'm going to have a tough time not starting him for this game. Miami's matchup is no tougher than the Philly one was last week. Mm-hmm. Slayton has seen 14, 7, 9, and 8 targets over his past four games, 10, 4, 6, and 5 receptions in those contests. 
easily at least my first Giants wide receiver into the lineup because of the upside. Monday night was his third two-touchdown game among his past six. Yeah, I think I'm with you now with Slayton as the top Giants wide receiver. I do still think he probably has the lowest floor just because he does do more of his work downfield. But like you said, the volume has been there, you know, seven plus targets in four straight games now. Plus, um, the, the Dolphins are a better matchup for outside wide receivers. They've allowed the fifth most fantasy points to outside wide receivers over the last eight weeks, and Slayton has run 94% of his routes on the outside. I think Sterling Shepard is the lowest floor guy because he's he's like Danny Amendola from the Rams. I mean, I think Shepard's more explosive player than Amendola at this point, and his, his volume really has been nice all season. He has six-plus targets in every game this year. Averaging eight targets per game. Uh, Darius Slayton, though, is basically Devontae Parker like, oh, yeah. when so, Preston yeah. Williams was healthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like Slayton's good. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you saw him on Monday night. I mean, the guy, the guy could play. Uh, willing to consider all the top three Giants receivers in this matchup, though. Yeah. Evan Ingram, limited Wednesday. We're going to have to watch him. He was limited last week as well, right. Thursday and Friday, before he sat out Saturday and ultimately the game. Yeah, we'll see about him. I mean, you know, we'll know by noon on Sunday, which is nice. Um, I, I still think Caden Smith is like a, a deep option if you if you're desperate at tight end. If Ingram is out, mm-hmm. didn't do much on Monday night, but he you know he still ran her out on 94 percent of Eli's dropbacks. Saw a 17 percent target share. Yeah, and Philly has is generally a yeah. tough matchup for tight ends. I think Caden Smith. I think even calling him a deep option is probably underselling him a yeah, little bit. If true. there's no Evan Ingram, I think that the tough decision would be. If Evan Ingram is still limited in practice all week, but then is active after being questionable for yeah. the game, yeah, it, it's tough to gauge from here because I don't know how hurt he has been for any game throughout his career. But from here, it hasn't looked like Evan Ingram has done very well playing through injuries. That's fair. Um, I would say he's definitely not a must start if he's back for this game. Um, you have someone like Tyler Higby, I would definitely play over Evan Ingram. Okay. Um, Jack Doyle, I think even Dallas Goddard, I would probably play over Evan Ingram just just for the higher floor. I agree. I mean, for me, Evan Ingram versus Jacob Hollister would be a tough yep. decision. Yeah, I think that's about where he, he belongs in the rankings if he plays. Philadelphia at Washington. The Eagles are four and a half point road favorites, and it's revenge game time for Robert Davis. Are you fired up for this one? Oh, man. That's a good poll that Davis <laughs> used to play for the Skins. Oh, nice. yeah. Sixth round pick of Washington in 2017. Two career targets with them, so they never gave him a shot. Now the Eagles pull him up from the practice squad. He gets to join Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside <laughs> as the likely top three wideouts for this team. Nelson Aguilar was still not practicing Wednesday. I mean, you know, it's it's funny to talk about the names. Among them, I think Greg Ward's the only one that really has a, a realistic shot at fantasy relevance this week. Yeah. He's played three games so far with Philly. He had two offensive snaps back in week three. So really three games, though, since then has seen seven, three, and nine targets in those games. The three targets came in the game that Alshon Jeffrey returned against Miami. Ward's like in the Isaiah Ford range. <laughs> like I can't imagine having to use him, but I, do, I I guess he's the best fantasy bet among these Eagles wide receivers, assuming Nelson Aguilar remains out. Yeah, he's, he's a down-the-list PPR option. Like if you're looking at the waiver wire for a yeah. PPR flex this week, I think Greg Ward has a chance to be in the mix. Right? Yeah, and I, I can't say for sure, but I do think if Aguilar comes back that Ward would sort of not play much because you know, he's he's the slot guy and Aguilar's a slot guy. I think it'd be Arcega Whiteside and Davis on the outside. Oof, I don't know. <laughs> I think that they hopefully would probably... doesn't. Yeah, hopefully none of this matters for you. I, I think the takeaway is Dallas Goddard yeah. is a strong play because you know he, he should be the you know number two target in the passing game. Yes, I agree with that. Jordan Howard still limited by that shoulder, so we'll have to see about him this week. I think that we have Miles Sanders more appropriately ranked than usual, but 
I would still play Austin Eckler and Philip Lindsay over him, I believe. Yeah, I mean, Sanders is tough this week because I think the question is how much does he lose to Boston Scott after Scott yeah. turned in a nice game on Monday night? Um, you know, Sanders left with cramping, and that sort of opened the door for mm-hmm. Scott to come in there. And, you know, we know Doug Peterson likes committee backfields, and he had been using Sanders in basically an every-down role, but I think it's possible he goes back to more of a committee now. Yeah, I think he wants to spread touches around. It's likely to happen. Boston Scott, 10 carries for 59 and a touchdown, six catches for 69 on six targets against the Giants. Yeah. So like you said, it was the cramping that that allowed him to get in there, but I do think that we'll see more Boston Scott this week after the way he played in that game. Yeah, I would still not want to use Boston right. Scott in fantasy lineups, though, because especially in this game, I wouldn't be surprised if J.H.I. plays a bigger role in this game if the Eagles get out to a big lead and are just sort of sitting on it on, in, in the second half. Nah, I don't know. I don't think J.H.I. <laughs> has shown a whole lot to this point. Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, as we mentioned, both starting options, obviously, yeah. on Zach Ertz. On the Washington side, basically nothing besides <laughs> Terry McLaurin. And I mean – Darius Slayton's Monday night might seem to build the case a bit for McLaurin. I guess maybe it raises the ceiling some, but I think Eli Manning right now is a much better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins is right now. Yep, he is. Um, yeah, I think McLaurin's better than Slayton, though. Um, and McLaurin obviously had the big game against the Eagles back in week one. Could have been bigger, I think. In yeah. this case, Keenan missed him on a few deep shots in that game. Um, you know, the Eagles have, have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to outside wide receivers over the last eight weeks. McLaurin's played 75% of his snaps on the outside. And McLaurin does have 9.9 plus PPR points in three of his last four games now. So, you know, as ugly as it is sometimes with Haskins, um, you know, McLaurin's been decent. Yeah, I think it's a credit to McLaurin's talent that we're even talking about him right now because any other wide receiver pretty much, any other rookie wide receiver and most other wide receivers in this spot, they would just not be considerations. Yes, for sure. I would like to not need Adrian Peterson, but I do think he's a strong volume bet here if you are looking in that range, like probably just beyond the bottom of RB2 range in non-PPR especially. Yeah, I mean, tough matchup against the Eagles run defense. Um, You know, the Redskins obviously underdogs, so you got to worry about game flow, but Peterson's averaged 14.4 carries per game in games without Darius Geis this season. 18.8 18.8 carries per game without Geis and with Bill Callahan as head coach. Um, so I do think he's a decent value bet on the ground, but tough to expect. Big efficiency, not a good touchdown bet, obviously, and he's not going to do much in the passing game. I would play Peterson over LaShawn McCoy in non-PPR, though, because I can count on the carries. Yeah, I mean, that's personal preference. Like, I think I'd lead McCoy just for the upside. Like I think he's a better touchdown bet. And you know, basically down there at that point, I'm just you know, hoping to get a touchdown out of a guy. Mm. If you're really down the list, Chris Thompson is Austin Eckler without with no shot at finding the end zone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eight targets, seven catches last week. I think like five of those came on Washington's final drive. Maybe you get that again, but you know, not something you want to be counting on. Yeah, I don't think Philly's set up to blow out this game. I mean, mm-hmm. Green Bay couldn't manage to blow out Washington at their place last week, mm-hmm. and this Philly offense, you know, has its issues. So I'll say that for the Washington backfield. That's I guess. fair. Yep. Tampa Bay at Detroit. The Bucks are three and a half point road favorites. Look out. <laughs> Jameis Winston's thumb injury is scary for trusting him in a fantasy lineup, yeah. but he heard it at the end of the first half last week to the point where Ryan Griffin took over for the first series of the second half. And then Jameis Winston came back and completed 13 of 17 throws against the Colts. Yeah, 179 yards and two touchdowns in the second half. Of course, the other big story here is he'll be without Mike Evans. Um, he was without Mike Evans though in the second half of that game. So you had no Evans and the thumb and he still, you know, produced. Um, 
Matchup's good here, too. Obviously, the Lions 29th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. I, I am fine with Winston as a quarterback one. I think we should probably move him down our ranks at least a little bit. I do think he's riskier than some of the guys he's ahead of at this point. Um, Winston has been limited in practice so far this week. He didn't throw it all on Wednesday, and then on Thursday he was throwing only a tennis ball. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a concern. I think he's going to play, but obviously adds more risk to him. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah. I do think that you have to have a good option yeah. to play somebody over him, though. Like I, I wouldn't play somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick over no, him. No, definitely not. I'm deciding in one league between Winston and Jimmy Garoppolo, mm, which I think tough. is a tough call. And, you know, what we hear about Winston over the next you know few days will probably help me make that decision. Mm-hmm. Justin Watson or Brashad Perriman <laughs> is the, might be the goofiest decision that we have to make in Week 15. And, I mean, really, it's probably a toss-up between these guys. The The thing about Brashad Perriman is I don't think he's very good. And I think right. if you watch any Bucks games, you would probably agree. But it's obvious that Bruce Arians does not disagree with that because Brashad Perriman has been their wide receiver three all year. Justin Watson has been there all year and has not overtaken him. So he did see more targets last week. He still sat behind Perriman in yardage. Right. Uh, either one could outscore the other one. I really don't think there's a strong argument one way or the other. Yep, I'm with you. Um, yeah, Watson out-targeted Perriman 8-5 to five last week, but Perriman ran around on 96% of Winston's dropbacks. Justin Watson was at 65%. The other factor here is Scotty Miller, who, who their rookie who has been out for the past few weeks now, but he was back at practice on Wednesday. If he comes back, that just sort of muddies the picture, and you might have to avoid the situation completely. Um, if Miller's out, I'd lean towards Perriman just because we know he's going to be on the field. I would love to avoid the situation anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think it's a DFS thing, like right. for, for tournaments. They're all speedy, and you know, it's in a pass-leaning offense in a good matchup. So any of these guys could like hit 100 yards and a touchdown just on a couple of big plays. So there's some risk. But that said, I would have to be choosing between them. And like other guys in the 36 to yeah. 50 range to for them to be good options, I think. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think the guy who is an option and not a safe one, though, is, is O.J. Howard. His playing time's been there since that since he got benched uh, four weeks ago in the last three games. Now he's played 78, 83 and 87 percent of the snaps. So he's been on the field. He's seen just 13 targets over those three games. But I, I you know, he he makes sense as the guy who should see the you know biggest boost in volume with Mike Evans out. And the matchup's good. Um, Football Outsiders has Detroit 26th in tight end coverage. So I think Howard is in the mix as a spot starter. If you don't have, you know, one of those top 8 to 10 tight ends that you've been using every week. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that the way the season has gone doesn't have him at, like, tight end 6 this week. Because right. he should exactly. be in the situation. The other, the one thing to, to keep an eye on, too, with the Bucks wideouts is the, the matchups across the secondary. Um, I would have to guess that Darius Slay shadows Chris Godwin and I believe Mike Clay said that he would expect Darius Slay to shadow Godwin in the slot because Slay has gone in there with other receivers and Chris Godwin's obviously the main threat here that said according to pro football focus grades rookie Amani Oruwarie is actually the top performer among Lions corners right now he's been playing well enough that when he filled in for Rashawn Melvin who had been starting all season until he got hurt Melvin returned healthy last week, and Oruwarie stayed in the starting lineup ahead of him. Melvin didn't play at all on defense. So they like the rookie, fifth rounder, tall, he's fast, he matches up well with what the Bucks have on the outside in Perriman and Watson in this game. So, I, I mean, I don't know who would see more of him. They're, they aren't stuck to sides in yeah. the Bucks receiver core. So I don't, I don't know what to make of it at this point. Yeah, and I don't know, I'm... I'm- 
I'm not going to change my expectations for Watson or Perriman based on that. I mean, they're, they're low floor mm-hmm. options to begin with. Um, Slay's interesting. I mean, I'm looking at his snaps. He hasn't played more than 20 snaps in the slot in the game all season. The games he did move inside, um, it was Arizona week one. Um, so, you know, maybe that's Larry Fitzgerald. Um, he did play 20 snaps inside in week 13 against the Bears. You know, that's probably Allen Robinson. So it doesn't look like he's gone inside a bit. I also think, though, Godwin, you know, I mean, first of all, you're starting Godwin anyways because right. he's like the number two receiver in fantasy and he's going to see more targets with Evans out. But yeah, I'll be, it'll be interesting to see how much Slay ends up on Godwin Sunday. Yeah, I don't think the Slay plan alters Godwin's outlook no. at all. I would only be interested for whether he's going to completely avoid the younger receivers right. outside. Yep. On the Lions, oh, and, and the running backs for the Bucks. Also, like O.J. Howard, it should be a good situation for them to get more touches, yeah. but good luck trusting who's going to get the touches. Exactly. I mean, one of them should have a decent game here, but I have no idea which one it's going to be. And maybe they both do. We've had games yeah. where multiple Bucks running backs do stuff, and certainly with the quarterback having an injured thumb, should be yeah. well set up for it, especially because you hand off usually with your left hand. Yeah, and I mean, Barber and Jones are both in our top forty. I think you know largely because of the matchup, so they're options. But you know, they're guys I, I wouldn't, I would try try to avoid if I could. Mm-hmm. On the Lions side, Kenny Galladay is a pretty easy start. I think Danny Amendola yeah. he did move up our rankings some uh, this morning. The Bucks are are still tops in run defense on Football Outsiders. Marvin Jones is now out for this game. The Bucks start a rookie cornerback in the slot, and Danny Amendola has already seen eight targets in each of the past two games with David Blau in there. Yep, I'm with you on Amendola. Um, 20% target share from Blau. You know, Marvin Jones is leaving behind seven targets per game, and the Bucks have allowed the uh, second most fantasy points to slot receivers this season. So um, I, I think Amendola in PPR leagues is an option, and I think he's someone to consider in DFS this week. And as we saw last week, I was completely lying about the Bucks' defense being any good. <laughs> Bo Scarborough is in Adrian Peterson territory for me. Basically a toss-up between them. He's They're a similar bet for carries. It looks like Bo Scarborough is a better bet for yardage. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know in this matchup. I mean, Tampa is legit right. really good against the run. Um, they've been good all season. They've allowed just 2.9 yards per carry to running backs over the last five weeks now. But it's nice to be able to count on Scarborough's volume. I mean, the Lions got you know basically got blown out in Minnesota last week, and Scarborough still got 19 carries. Yeah. So, like I said, toss-up between him and Adrian Peterson. It's not a great matchup for either guy. Yep. Seattle at Carolina, unless you feel like talking about anybody else. Nope, that's it. Seattle at Carolina, Seahawks by six points on the road. 27.25 is their implied total. The Seahawks are tied for the fourth highest implied total with the Saints and up slightly from the open there. Nothing non-obvious on the Seattle side for me, I don't think, other than maybe Jacob Hollister qualifying for that. I think he's a solid option on the fringe of the top 12 at tight end. Yeah, me too. Um, Six targets per game for Hollister since Will Disley was hurt, and the Panthers are 23rd in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings. I think think the questions on the Seahawks side are Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. Um, You know, Wilson has finished outside the top 12 quarterbacks in four straight weeks now. Carolina still... Still much worse against the run than the pass. They, they have sagged against the pass. Like, the Panthers, to me, seem like a team that's just sort of thrown in the towel on the season at this point. They've allowed 300-plus yards and multiple touchdowns in two of their last three games now. That was to Drew Brees and to Matt Ryan. Um, I don't expect big passing volume for Wilson here, but I you know, do think he should be efficient, and he's a decent touchdown bet with the Seahawks with that you know 27-point implied total. Yeah, when you get blown out by the Falcons, I'm playing Russell Wilson against you <laughs> the next week. Yeah. 
On the Panthers' side, Ian Thomas saw 10 targets last week, caught five for 57 and a touchdown against the Falcons. I don't think that this game is likely to go as lopsided as it did last week, but the Seahawks are six-point favorites. They're capable of building. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like you said, Thomas's role was awesome last week, You know, 24% target share. Um, and Seattle, 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Greg Olson did put in a limited practice on Wednesday. He, I would think he has a shot to play. I think if Olsen's back, he's a top 12 play. I think if Olsen's out, Ian Thomas is a top 12 play. I agree. And I think everything else is as usual on the Panthers side. Yep. Jacksonville at Oakland. The Raiders by six and a half at home. It's down one from open, but obviously still lopsided in their favor. And they haven't been playing great, but Jacksonville is dead. I mean, the, the yeah. team is just dead. I'm excited about absolutely nothing on their side. Leonard Fournette, mm-hmm. he remains a strong touch bet. He's got to be in nearly all starting lineups, but the poorness of his team is hurting his carries 20.4 carries per game over the first eight games this year. They have lost each of the last five. He has averaged 14.4 carries over that span. Yeah. I mean, still getting the usage in the passing game. So that's kind of keeping him afloat. You know, he's, he's still an RB one. I do think it's worth talking about DD Westbrook and and Chris Conley, assuming DJ Chark is going to miss this game. Chark hurt his ankle last week. Um, The Jags haven't ruled him out yet, but I'd, I'd be surprised if he played. You know, that leaves behind 22% of the team's targets. D.D. Westbrook's already averaging seven targets per game this season. Yeah, I think you can maybe tack on another one or two to that with Chark out. So I think Westbrook is a you know decent floor play. The matchup's obviously good here against Oakland. And then Chris Conley, um, for me, probably a tier below D.D. Westbrook. But, you know, he's averaging five and a half targets per game. Should get a bump with Chark out. And the Raiders have allowed the 10th most fantasy points to outside wide receivers this season. Yeah, I think they're both solid bets for four to five catches with yep. some upside beyond that. Yep. Upside matchup for Gardner Minshew, but he has also thrown more than one touchdown pass once among his past six games. So I'm certainly not betting on him in week 15. Yeah, I mean, the matchup's great. Five of the last eight quarterbacks to face the Raiders have finished top six on the week. But like you said, talk about a team, you know, the Panthers kind of mailing in. I think the Jags have pretty much mailed it in for the season. So it is, it is tough to feel... Super safe with anyone on this team. I mean, Doug Marone maybe should have been fired before Ron Rivera. Really. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> on the Oakland side, the matchup makes Derek Carr a top streaming level play, yeah. I believe. The ceiling's not great, but a fairly safe option for him. Uh, and the Jaguars are down to 29th in overall defensive DVOA, 21st against the pass. Their worst games have been recent, five-game losing streak, as I mentioned. You can't count on a good target count, though, for any pass catcher beyond Darren Waller. Yeah, that's true. Um, with Carr, the, the, we know the Jags are horrible against the run, but over the last three games now, they've allowed a 69% completion rate, 11.1 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. So the pass D has been almost as bad as the run D lately. The Raiders do have that you know, 26-point implied total. So I, I think Carr is you know a decent play this week. I would play him over Tom Brady. I might play Carr over Aaron Rodgers this week. Yeah, I would play Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers in my own lineup. But just to ask Philip Rivers, I'm sure he would be happy to tell you how much fun it was to play against the Jaguars last week. DeAndre Washington, 14 carries, 53 yards and a touchdown last week. Six catches for 43 on seven targets against the Titans. Josh Jacobs did not play in that game. He was limited Wednesday, Mm -hmm. so we'll see. Um, obviously if Jacob sits, then DeAndre Washington is a good option. Yeah. And Ian Rapport reported Wednesday morning that, you know, Jacobs was expected back. Then John Gruden came out Wednesday afternoon and said, you know, hold up. He's, you know, he's, he's not a lock yet. We're going to see how he does in practice this week. So, um, yeah, if Jake, I mean, the, the Jags giving up 6.3 yards per carry to running backs <laughs> over the past four games now. So if it's Jacobs, 
he's a RB1. If it's DeAndre Washington, he's like a strong RB2, I think, in this matchup. And Josh Jacobs is a little bit scary if he's active for this game, but the matchup is so good that even if he carries 12 times, he can produce just like Melvin Gordon did on 12 carries last week. Yeah, the Jacobs situation is weird because supposedly he suffered the injury in week seven and then played the next, you know, what was it, six games and then sat out last week. I don't know. He, he, He must have heard it again in that week uh, 13 game. That's that's the only thing I can think of. But yeah, it car- he carries some risk, but he had been producing well through the injury. And it could just be that there's some surrounding issues, uh, muscular or whatever, yeah. ligaments knows, or yeah. Yeah, whatever in there. So, you know, Jacob's scary effective, but I think you have to use him. I think that similar to Alexander Madison last week, I think DeAndre Washington's still an option, even if Jacob's plays. Certainly low floor there, but I, there are situations where yeah. DeAndre Washington will make sense. Yeah, I mean, Washington had not been seeing as much work as Madison, you know, with a healthy Jacobs, which I mm-hmm. think makes him a shakier bet. But, um, you know, the the passing game usage last week was awesome. And it's like, why, why can't the Raiders use Josh Jacobs like that in the passing game? But, you know, that's, that's a question for the offseason, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you would think that maybe they would look to get that uh, work to somebody else with the shoulder issue this week, even yeah. if Jacobs yep. is back. Cleveland at Arizona, unless you had anybody else you wanted to hit there. Mm-hmm. The Browns are two-point favorites on the road. It's a great matchup for Baker Mayfield, so why don't you try to sell me on why I should start him over Russell Wilson? I mean, he sucked last week. There's there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, but basically every quarterback to face Arizona's had a good fantasy game here. Um, Ten of the 13 quarterbacks to face the Cardinals have finished the week as a top-12 quarterback. That includes nine top-eight finishes. So you're really just banking on a matchup that's really paid almost every week this season. Well, it's always good to start off the argument for a player with he sucked last week, but I, I I agree he belongs in the top 12. I don't think I could start Baker Mayfield over Russell Wilson in my week 15. Yeah, that, that's fair. I don't I don't know which way I'd lean there. I don't think I had that decision, luckily. <laughs> that's good. Uh, the, there's obvious upside to David Njoku if he plays enough, yeah. but I think it's a little bit too late in the season to bet on that unless I've gotten to this point and I need a tight end. You know, In that case, yeah. there's ceiling to him. Yeah, I mean, we, we know the upside the Cardinals matchup presents for tight ends, but in his return last week, Njoku played just 37% of the snaps. He ran only nine pass routes, saw three targets, um, caught one of them. The, one of the missed targets was an end zone target, so you know, it's nice to see that they try to get him the ball down there. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a big game. I wouldn't be surprised if he catches one pass. So you just know the floor and ceiling if you're going to use him. Yeah, he's like Noah Fant, but with a lower playing time floor. Yeah. I mean, I still think the guy's awesome, mm-hmm. um, and I think if he's if he's used in this game, I'm confident he'll have a big game. But we just we, we don't know for sure what his usage is going to be like. Yeah, and that's what I mean. He can get three or four targets. He can create yeah. big plays after the catch, and they do like him in the end zone. We've seen. Yep, it's a good spot for everybody else. I don't think you have to talk about too much. But Kareem Hunt has scored touchdowns in three straight games. I think that that makes him look safer than mm-hmm. he is, though. Touches have gone 11, 12, 10, 12, 11 since he became active. Right. 17 targets in his first two games, just 10 targets over his past mm-hmm. three. Yeah, I, I agree the touchdowns are definitely boosting him higher than he probably should be. Um, you know, he, he has seen at least 11 opportunities in every game, so that, that's a decent floor to count on. Um, Hunt's share of the rushing attempts has also climbed every week. He was up to 33% of the rushing attempts um, last week. So in this matchup, I think the Browns offense will will move the ball. The Cardinals 20th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. I, th- I think Hunt is a pretty decent running back three play. And obviously, you know, he, he's shown us the upside really since he's returned. I think he looks very similar to Duke Johnson. 
I'd, I'd play Kareem Hunt over Duke Johnson pretty easily. I, I think Hunt has a – I mean, how, how many times has Duke Johnson even reached 11 opportunities this season? I don't know. I'd have to go look <laughs> that up. Yeah, I, I, I just think Hunt is a safer bet for touches. Yeah, maybe a mildly safer bet for touches, but I think they're a coin flip in terms of uh, lineup decision this week. On the other side, Kyler Murray's coming off the worst two games of the season yeah. for him. PFF has ranked him dead last in their passing grades in each of the last two weeks, so that that's scary. I mean, the games have come against the Rams and the Steelers, two tough pass defenses. Now he gets the Browns, who are 13th in football outsiders pass D. They're 22nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So it, I think it's a decent bounce-back spot for Kyler. The other scary thing is he set a season low last week with just two rushing yards. Um, I don't know if the hamstring is still an issue that he popped up with on the injury report two weeks ago. He wasn't even on the injury report last week, and he's not this week. Um, so maybe it was just more of a one-off fluke. But I, I think Kyler is a is a risk-reward play this week just because he, he hasn't looked good these last couple of weeks. Yeah, and that cuts into the reward portion of that. So he sits just outside of our top 12, and that's where I would yep. start looking at him. By the way, Duke Johnson only has three games of 11-plus touches this year, so I'm going to have to agree on Kareem <laughs> Hunt be, having the higher touch floor. Uh, Christian Kirk looks solid, 10, 9, 7, and 9 targets over the past four games, six-plus catches in each of those. So uh, nothing scary about this matchup for him. Right, yeah, pretty high floor play just with that volume. Um, the backfield, it was more of a committee last week um, than it had been previously you know, since Kenny and Drake arrived. Um, Drake was down to a 65% snap rate and 64% of the running back opportunities. He was at 79% of the snaps and 75% of the opportunities the previous week. So that makes him a bit more risky. You know, I think it's possible he continues to trend down, but I would sort of bet on this stabilizing where it is because I do still think he's their best running back. Um, so I, I still think he's a, a decent running back too, even though the volume doesn't look quite as good now. And this is the best matchup that he has faced since arriving in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's 25th in Football Outsiders run defense DVOA. Yep. Larry Fitzgerald, seven targets in two straight games, yeah. five-plus catches in three of his past four. He has a PPR flex. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for like eight to ten points, Fitz can probably get you that. There you go. If you want Cole Beasley with dreadlocks. <laughs> Minnesota at the Chargers. The Vikings are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. It's a bad spot for the Vikings' pass offense. Mm-hmm. And Dalvin Cook showed us last week that he's okay by carrying 18 times in that game that he entered with the shoulder issue. Right. The Vikings pulled him in the fourth quarter, I think, smartly with a, with a big lead. But you know, before that, Cook was basically playing his normal role. Mm-hmm. Alexander Madison carried 14 times, two targets, matched Cook. But as you mentioned, a lot of that came late. I think he's a fringe play along the lines of DeAndre Washington if uh, Josh Jacobs plays. It's not a great spot, certainly, for yeah. Madison. And you, you know, the, the floor is zero. Yep, agreed. Um, Adam Thielen, we'll have to watch. He seems like he's on track to play. Expected to play, man. I feel like we've heard that a few times. Yeah. You know, he's had a couple setbacks with the hamstring. Last time he tried to return, he played just seven snaps. Um, so there's obviously a risk here. The matchup's not good. The Chargers fourth in adjusted fantasy points to wide receivers. I mean, you know, Thielen, I think you know he sits in like wide receiver two range in our rankings. Um, he, he, he's a risk reward play, and I think the ceiling isn't super high this week in the matchup. Yeah, he's going to have to be a personal decision. Nothing yeah. else to me sneaky on that side. If Thielen returns, I think it's bad for Kyle Rudolph. But if there, if it is a tougher matchup across the corners, you know, maybe that makes Rudolph yeah. a more attractive guy. But the Chargers have also been solid against tight ends this year. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Um, Football Outsiders has them ninth in tight end coverage. And Derwin James is their tight end stopper, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's back now. Philip Rivers was excellent last week, but it's about as much of an outlier game as you could get from a quarterback. Touchdowns from 30, 44, and 84 yards out. The previous three games before that, 
five touchdowns versus eight picks. So it's a good matchup, but he's no more than a fringe option. Yeah, I mean, we were worried about Rivers getting benched like a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> that, you know, I don't want to get too crazy with him, but mm-hmm. I do think it's a decent spot. You know, the Vikings pass D doesn't scare me. And the Vikings, you know, I think for the past few years now, at least have just played a lot better defense at home than on the road. And this year, Minnesota's allowed 243 passing yards and 1.3 touchdowns per game at home but 267 yards and two touchdowns per game on the road. So I, I do think it's a decent spot for Rivers. I wouldn't go benching any, you know, high-end option for him. But as a spot starter, you know, I think Rivers is in the mix there with, like, Derek Carr as a spot start option. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Philip Rivers and Derek Carr is a coin flip. I think that Carr wins on floor and Rivers wins on ceiling. Yep, I agree. Uh, and I would I, I like Rivers and Mike Williams more as a DFS stack. Mm-hmm. Mike Williams looks nice here. I mean, we already mentioned the matchup is tougher for running than passing. And, you know, forget the freaky long touchdown for Mike Williams last week. I'm not factoring that in, even though it finally got him into the end zone. <laughs> Seven and six targets the two games before that in games where they lost as compared with three targets last week in a lopsided win. I think there's a better chance that we get either a close game or the Vikings taking a lead here. That mm-hmm. should help Mike Williams' target total. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I feel super safe with the volume, but the matchup oh, no. is awesome. Minnesota's allowed the most fantasy points to outside wide receivers over the past eight weeks. Yeah, and you know the long touchdown is fluky, but it's also the thing that he has in his game and the yeah. thing that Philip Rivers has always liked to do. So we've seen weeks and weeks in a row now where Mike Williams has been averaging well beyond 20 yards per catch. Yep. So we know that he brings that all of the time, and that makes it easier to produce on low targets. So, you know, like you said, not safe, absolutely not yeah. safe, but... I mean, how many guys from 20 down are safe? I was going to say, I think when you get into that like wide receiver three range, um, you know, he, he's, he has as high a ceiling as anyone in that range. Yeah, and he could have a week-winning uh, performance here, I think. Yep. Other dudes, I think, are obvious on the Chargers side. I think you ignore Melvin Gordon's numbers last week because he was disappointing relative to expectations, mm-hmm. but he produced just fine. Yeah. He just didn't get that many opportunities because they weren't on the field enough. Right. Yeah, I mean, Eckler did most of the damage was kind of frustrating if you used Melvin Gordon like I did in DFS. <laughs> uh, matchup's tough here. Um, you know, Minnesota seventh in football outsiders run D, but you know, with with Gordon, you're banking on volume and, and the touchdown upside. Yeah, he'll get more rushing volume most likely than last week. He's stayed involved as a receiver, even though Austin Eckler was the flashier one. He'll yep. be fine. Uh, and I'm scared of both defenses here. There's some upside, but I wouldn't. I would try not um, to use either one. I would try not to use either. Um, I guess I I lean Chargers among the two. Rams at Dallas. The Rams are one-point favorites in this road game, and the Cowboys actually opened as three-point favorites, so Mm. that was an interesting change. Dallas is just 24th in pass defense DVOA. Mm. And as we mentioned, I think a couple weeks ago now on here, Jared Goff has been strong in fantasy in good matchups. Yeah, Yeah, in this matchup, I mean – Dallas 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, but I think they're, you know, they're trending in the wrong direction. They've actually allowed the 10th most fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last five weeks now. So golf too, um, hasn't been as bad on the road this season. Um, he's actually averaging more yards per game on the road than at home this year. So I'm not too, wor- too worried about the home road. So it's, I, I just like this game in general, you know, it has the high over under, it's going to be played indoors. Both these teams are top four in offensive pace. So I think you're going to get a lot of plays. So I think this is a game to, to look to for your fringe options. Yeah, and Jared Goff's coming off of two good fantasy outings, the big one against Arizona and also a good one against Seattle, even with two interceptions last week. Yep. A nice fantasy line. So I think he's a fairly easy play. I would play him over guys like Phillip Rivers, Kyler Murray, and uh, Derek Carr. And, and Aaron Rodgers. Yes, and over Aaron Rodgers. 
Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, even Cooper Cup must play still, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Cup thing, he played 29% of the Rams' offensive snaps last week, and Sean McVay was asked about it um, earlier this week and you know, said it was a game plan thing. They went with more two tight end sets, and you know, Cup's their slot receiver, so when there's two tight ends on the field, Cup's not on the field. He did still run a route on 53% of um, Goff's dropbacks. So that's a better number. Saw four targets, caught all four of them, 45 yards and a touchdown. He, you know, he, so he still produced. And the Cowboys, too, have given up pretty big lines to slot receivers over the last three weeks now. Um, 89 yards to Julian Edelman three weeks ago. 110 yards and a score to Cole Beasley on Thanksgiving. 42 yards and a score to Anthony Miller last week. So I, I would stick with Cup. Um, you know, just the, the snap count thing sort of makes him a bit riskier, I guess. Yeah, it's annoying, but imagine how you would feel <laughs> if on Monday you and, see six for 103 yeah. and a touchdown on your bench from Cup. Yeah, and the Rams could come out in this matchup and, you know, go back to their, you know, three wide receiver sets and then Cup's playing basically every snap. Mm-hmm. On the Dallas side, you, you start all the obvious guys. I think yep. a decision on Randall Cobb, and I know that you're – I think you're a bigger fan of Cobb this week than I am. Yeah, so, you know, He's been quiet lately. He has just eight total targets over the last two games, but he also had seven plus targets in four straight games before that. Um, I, you know, again, just in general, like this game, like the Cowboys' offense because they've been so good at home, and you're going to have Amari Cooper dealing with Jalen Ramsey in this game. So I think that could push a bit more work to Randall Cobb. Um, the Rams have been a neutral matchup for slot receivers this season. Yeah, four straight games of four catches or fewer for Cobb. And Nickel Roby Coleman actually carries the highest mm-hmm. pro football focus coverage grade among Rams corners. So, I mean, Cobb okay on the fringe, especially if they end up needing to throw the ball more, if we get a shootout type of game here. Not anybody I would get excited about, though. Yeah, not super excited. I would start him over like most of these fringy types we've talked about. I think Cobb for me is like with the Jags receivers in that range. I would start the Jags over him, but I agree that they're in the same range. And I would start Danny Amendola pretty comfortably over uh, Randall Cobb because I think he's more. Yeah, Danny I, Amendola will be more necessary to his offense. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think Amendola is a safer target bet than Cobb. Atlanta at San Francisco. The 49ers are 11.5 point favorites for good reason. That's even up a half point from where it opened. Give me absolutely nothing beyond Julio Jones from the Falcons <laughs> if I can help it. I think I'm with you. The interesting thing is the injuries on the Niners defense. Um, Richard Sherman, I think, is, is going to be out this game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Kwan Williams, their number two corner, is banged up. D. Ford is dealing with a, it's a hamstring injury, I believe. So the Niners defense, you know, it might it, it's not going to be at full strength here. So I think that helps. Um, I'm with you, though. I, you know, especially on the road, I wouldn't want to use Matt Ryan. I think Russell Gage, not somebody you want to be using here. I think it's Julio and it's Austin Hooper. Yeah, I think the injuries make it easier to say, okay, fine, I'll play Austin Hooper. Yeah. Okay, fine, I'll play Devontae Freeman. But I, I would, it, they would not make me excited about the upside on anybody. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Freeman, 17 carries, four catches in each of the two games since he returned from injury. Right, yeah, the volume's been good for Freeman. Um, he did miss Wednesday's practice. He was listed with a knee injury, yeah. Um, you know, hopefully just like a veteran's day off. We'll probably have a better idea by Thursday afternoon. Niners have the second highest implied point total behind only Baltimore for the week. It's a good spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. Three games of four touchdown passes among his past six. Two of those, of course, came against Arizona. Yeah, I'm sort of ready to like buy in on Jimmy G. Like you look at his <laughs> entire season now, and like it, it, it really has been more good than bad. He's had a few bad games, but overall, he, he's had a nice season. Um, 70% completion rate over his last seven games now, 8.5 yards per attempt. He's the quarterback four in fantasy over that seven-game span. Um, yeah, and like you said, good spot here at home with the big implied total. I think he's just uh, Derek Carr, really. I, I mean, I still think he's a largely a product of Kyle Shanahan's offense, which you know, I think Shanahan might be the best play caller in the NFL. Um, but yeah, you know, 
we don't care if he's you know putting up the numbers. He's putting up the numbers. Yeah, and I'm not complaining about him saying he's Derek Carr. I just think that's what he is. I don't. Sure. I don't think he's uh, headed for yeah You're way right. up there. You're I, think right. I mean, he, Car- he benefited from getting Emmanuel Sanders for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I think Carr would be putting up similar numbers in, in this offense. Emmanuel Sanders is an easy start this week. Debo Samuel, I think, is a wide receiver three in this matchup at least. I'm not sure there's that big of a gap between them. Honestly, I mean, I, I think they're both like. Really nice wide receiver twos this week. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Raheem Mostert yeah. is the first running back in now. Kyle Shanahan actually said this week that he likes to spread the touches around, but that Raheem Mostert has earned more touches going forward. Right, 59% of the snaps last week, um, you know, with Matt Breda back and Tevin Coleman still in the mix. And, and Mostert's uh, 55% of the running back opportunities. There were only 22 total running back opportunities in that game because it turned into a shootout. The Niners had to pass more than they, I think, would like to. There's going to be more running back usage in this spot. So I think you you know, should get 15-plus touches out of Mostert here. Yeah, I think Mostert's pretty safe. I would still go Breida next, yeah. and I would yeah. try to avoid Tevin Coleman. Yeah, Breida outsnapped Coleman and saw more opportunities last week, so he's definitely the play. Um, I'd, I'd probably stop short of calling Mostert safe just because it's mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan and you never know. But I mean, if you're choosing between these guys, he's obviously the, the best option. Yeah. I think I said fairly safe. Fairly safe is, is fair. I don't know. At a totally unsafe <laughs> position. Yeah. Buffalo at Pittsburgh on Sunday night. Steelers are one and a half point favorites. The week's lowest over under at 37 points. They might struggle to reach that. Yeah. We're talking about the number three and number five defenses and football outsiders weighted D. So not, not only are they good defenses overall, but they're also playing well lately. I mean, I want basically nothing yeah. from this game. Yeah, yeah, this is not a game you want to be trailing in your fantasy matchup and, you know, having a couple <laughs> guys from this game. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points. I would try to bench Josh Allen. Yeah, you know, he, he finished quarterback 31 last week in that matchup against Baltimore. I think this spot is really just as tough, especially on the road. The other thing with Allen, he he tweaked his ankle during that game last week, and then he finished with just two carries for nine rushing yards, both season lows. He's not on the injury report this week, so I don't know how big of a concern it is, but it just adds risk if we can't count on that rushing production. Right. And then John Brown has now seen three straight games of three catches or fewer and less than 40 yards. Another tough spot for him here. Cole Beastly, though, three touchdowns in three – I'm sorry, a touchdown in three straight games. Second time this year that he has scored a touchdown in three straight games. Yeah, it's – you know, it's tough to rank Beasley over John Brown, but I wouldn't be surprised if Beasley ends up as the better fantasy player, you know, the Steelers, the Steelers have been tougher against slot receivers lately. Um, but I still think they're, it's an easier matchup for Beasley on the inside than it is for John Brown. Not a favorable spot for anybody though. No. My first plan would be to try not to use any of them. Yeah. Well, as far as Allen, the wide receivers go, I do think Devin Singletary is fine just because of the usage he's been seeing. Um, he's played 70 plus percent of the snaps in four straight games. Now he's averaged 16.8 carries and 3.8 targets per game. Where that's man, you know, that's, that's like borderline running back one volume. Um, and, and their passing game usage is nice because if Buffalo falls behind, Singletary is going to stay involved. Yeah, def- definitely Devin Singletary for volume. On the other side, James Conner is the biggest situation to watch. Full practice Wednesday, so it yep. sounds like he's coming back. Sounds like he's coming back. Um, Jalen Samuels missed Wednesday's practice with a groin injury. <laughs> I think that would help Conner um, because you know, I, I don't think there's another pass catching back on the roster. So I think that would lock Connor into the pass catching role as well as the lead ball carrying role. I think they're passing injury situations around there like the cheese touch and the <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> Um, any, anybody else worth mentioning on the Pittsburgh offense? Um, Juju is expected back too. He's not someone I'd be excited about. I, I do think though he is the best fantasy option among the wide receivers. Like I, I wouldn't use 
James Washington or Deontay Johnson if uh, Juju's back. Yeah, I would, boy, I would try not to use anybody here if I yeah. can help that. I mean, Juju is still the slot guy, and Tredavious White hasn't moved into the slot. Uh, White's played 29 slot snaps all season, so I do think Juju will avoid Tredavious White, which you know, obviously gives him the best matchup among Steelers wideouts. I think I would take a shot on Danny Amendola and both Jaguars over any Pittsburgh wide receiver this week, though. Oh, man. Mentioning Juju for Amendola feels gross, but it's probably the right move. Yeah, I mean, just look at what Juju's done for you this year. It's not like he's been delivering. Yeah. He also has only played that one game with Devlin Hodges, so you, know, yeah, you got to worry exactly. about the report there. <laughs> yep. Indianapolis at New Orleans on Monday night to close things out. Saints are eight-point favorites. Makes sense. Um, maybe we get T.Y. Hilton back for this game. Yeah, back at practice on Thursday, kind of surprisingly, I guess how the calf responds to, to practice throughout the week will sort of determine whether he plays. The, the Monday start obviously makes it tough for fantasy owners, and you know, if you're planning on using Zach Pascal, I think it, it matters too. I think he becomes a, a you know, obviously a worse fantasy play if Hilton's back. Yeah, I mean, still Hilton's going to get the primary you know attention Lattimore, on defense, yeah. and the last time we saw T.Y. Hilton on the field, he didn't look like T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, so I mean, I, maybe he's a little bit more of like a distraction. Yeah, I, I would. Just you know, plan on not using T.Y. Hilton at this point. Um, even if he plays, I think he's a pretty shaky bet. Yeah, we'll watch him throughout the week. Zach Pascal is okay as a wide receiver three. I'm not going to get excited about him, but obviously we've seen the upside in New Orleans now, not just the San Francisco game, but the Carolina game where they scored 31 points. Right. Yeah, I do think if Hilton's out, um, Pascal is a wide receiver three option. He's played every single snap over the last two weeks and seen 19 targets in those two games. Marlon Mackin, Jack Doyle, a volume starter. For me, that's yeah. pretty much it on the Indy side. Yeah, Doyle, definitely a starter still. Mack, to me, definitely not a must start. Um, he played 41% of the snaps in his return last week. He, he saw 13 of 18 running back carries, but he didn't see a single target. He ran just eight pass routes. Um, I don't know if the broken hand is an issue there as far as, you know, pass catching ability. Um, you know, he, he wasn't very involved in the passing game anyways. And with the Colts, you know, big road underdogs here, it's obviously not an ideal spot for, for Mac. Yeah, I agree with all that. On the Saints side, do not ask me whether <laughs> you should start Drew Brees this week. It's you have to decide. Well, the answer is yes this week. I mean, right. it's a great spot. I mean, we don't have him at number one, though. So if you have yeah, well, somebody yeah. that's ranked ahead of him and you're deciding between Ryan Tannehill and Drew Brees, that you have to decide. I'm not telling you between them. I'm going to tell you no if you ask me. That's fair. I, I do think I, I think we have Winston ahead of Breeze right now. I think we should probably flip that. I would I would start Breeze as, as a much safer bet. I think. Yes, I agree with that. We're gonna have to watch Jared Cook's concussion this week as well. I mean, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Even yeah. though Kamara disappointed, he's still in lineups this week. Yeah, if you're hoping to use Cook, I, I think you can add Josh Hill mm-hmm. and just have him as your backup plan. Hill ran around on 73 percent of Breeze's dropbacks after you know, you know with Cook missing the final three quarters of that game. So I think Hill is a you know decent fallback plan if you want to use Cook and he ends up not playing Monday night. Yeah, he'll never ends up getting the targets that you're hoping he's going to get even when he's the primary, but you know, there's <laughs> yeah. touchdown upside as he showed by scoring last week after Jared Cook left that game. Yeah. And really, I'm not too interested in anything else on the Saints side. Nope. Saints defense, decent shot to yeah. take. I would be more excited if the 49ers hadn't just scored a ton of points yeah. and the Colts had not just scored a ton of points at Tampa Bay. The Saints also lost Marcus Davenport last yep. week. He's second on the team in sacks right now, so that, that hurts the pass rushing upside. And they lost defensive tackle Sheldon Rankin. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those boom-bust plays, but there is upside to it. Yeah, I mean, big big home favorite, Superdome, a tough place to play. Anything else? No. That'll do it for this Week 15 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to check out our full Week 15 rankings, plus all the other weekly tools and features that help you set your lineups. We'll be back at it for the DFS shows on here tomorrow. You can also find us on Twitter 
Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.